HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. And welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this half-hour journey through culinary history. And, you know, uh, it seems like we as a uh, society all over the world are consumed with thoughts and discussions of food, more so now than ever, I think, whether it's the availability of food, too much, obesity, or too little, hunger and starvation, Political thoughts about sustainability, where do we get our food from, is it genetically modified? It, and then, of course, there are more cookbooks than ever, more restaurants than ever, more chefs who have become superstars on television. You can't open a newspaper or turn on the television or go on the Internet without seeing and reading something about food. I, for one, of course, think it's wonderful since that's my life. But, you know, it has you wondering. Food is part of our lives, a very big part of our lives. We need to eat, don't we? But it's part of our culture. It's part of society, more so than ever, although I think it always has been in a way. But we are really now engaged in discourse about food and culture. And I think it's wonderful, and I have somebody today who's going to, who also thinks it's wonderful, I'm sure, who can enlighten us um, about some studies that are being done associated with food and culture, and his name is Fabio Parasecoli. Welcome, Fabio. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Fabio is Associate Professor and Coordinator of the Food Studies Program at the New School in New York City. course his background he's got degrees in asian culture and and politics and food and media and all kinds of things um he has been a journalist for gambero rosso and he's written a lot about food and and culture and politics as i said uh he among his publications are food culture in italy and bite me food and popular culture and he is finishing a book on the history of food for Reaction Books for the Edible series, yes. correct? Yeah. And 
the, the exciting news is that uh, together with uh, Belgian editor Peter Scoliers, yes, he has just published a six-volume cultural history of food. Fabio, I want to call you the Nathan Mervold of, of, <laughs> of food history because it's this Nathan Mervold. For all of you wondering, you know, he's the modernist, that huge volume of books. Well, this is, again, although the books are a little narrower, they're not quite as thick, but it's a six-volume set yes. of, of food and culture. Wow. <laughs> tell, tell me, how, wow, okay, well, how did this come about? It's been a, a three-year project, actually. It came out of... Uh, some conversations with Berg. Uh, they had already published my book, Bite Me. So I, I was... Ah, Berg Publishers. Okay, yes, so you were a known quantity. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so they were thinking about doing something different on food history, something that will leave a mark. And so we started discussing this project. And of course, I thought that I couldn't do it by myself. And uh, I asked Peter uh, that I knew from... Uh, previous conferences and we were teaching together one summer in Italy and he accepted immediately. So after that we started working on our networks to find the volume editors and the volume editors worked with different scholars and researchers and the result is six volume with around 50 authors uh, from Europe uh, from uh, the U.S., but also from South Africa, we really try to uh, have a pulse on the research on food history in the in the past few years. Yeah, I was impressed with in looking at the uh, the different authors. These now, this is we'll talk about the the um, uh, the structure of these books yes. um, in a minute. But I was impressed with all the different authors who had written essays. Several of who have been on the show and. Uh, and happy to see that, <laughs> but uh, it is quite an international group. And what I forget failed to mention is that you um, have worked for a long time and were president for a while of the Association for the Study of Food and Culture, AS uh, Food and Society, yes. ASFS. Uh, for those of you who know, and that actually helped quite a bit because uh, that allowed me to tap on the network of the association and many of the most. Uh, visible and relevant scholars are part of the association. So yeah. I had worked with them in the past, and it was it was actually a quite pleasant experience, despite, you know, the three years and the effort. Right. And as I mentioned at the at the beginning of the show, um, and then you and I were talking before the show, this, this, this discussion of food and food being so central in our lives, it really is an international Absolutely. Uh, phenomenon. In most... Uh, post-industrial uh, society it has become really, really important. Uh, Europe, Japan, uh, the U.S. But now I have been doing some research, for instance, in Brazil, and I've seen that it started there, too. Uh, they have a more complicated relationship with their heritage, with their uh, popular and traditional foods, but it's starting. There is an interest. So probably in the next few years, we'll see... India and China hmm. and South Africa. Um, I think, uh, as you were mentioning, food has become an important part of uh, cultural, social, and political debates. Mm -hmm. We cannot pretend it's not there. That's right. That's right. Well, for our listeners, I want to uh, describe 
a little bit about how this book is is structured. You couldn't have just chosen one period mm-hmm. and looked at it carefully. You chose six different periods. Right? Yes, we divided basically the history in six periods. We have antiquity, the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, early modern, then the modern period, and the contemporary times. Right. So we're talking eight hundred BCE. To the present. Yes. That's a lot That's of time. A lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Of time. That's a lot. And then what, what I really do like, if you could explain, within each volume, okay, so, so I pick up the volume on antiquity, okay, from 800 BCE to the year 500. Yes. Now, I could pick up this volume or I could pick up the modern age volume. And within each volume... We have the same structure. Okay. We decided to focus on the same topics. Uh, through the ages. So, for instance, there is a topic about production issues, technologies. Uh, we have um, an, a chapter on food systems, how food was produced but then uh, transported and marketed and bought and consumed. Uh, we have chapters about professional kitchens and cooks. We have uh, a chapter on family life. Uh, we also have... Uh, Questions of hunger, food security, food safety, mm-hmm. which were present also in the Roman times, of just to, to give you an example. Uh, but we also wanted to look at the more cultural aspects. So, for instance, we have a chapter on representations of food in art. Um, so we wanted to have a different approach. And so uh, readers can either focus on one period or they might want to focus on one aspect and follow it through the six volumes. Mm-hmm. So it's up to the readers which approach they prefer. That I found extremely interesting that, yeah, you could say, well, I'm really trying to put together a study on uh, kitchens yes. through the ages. So you could go to that topic in each of the six yes. different periods and read about kitchens. Yes, and my personal okay. contribution to each volume is a is a final chapter called World Development, mm-hmm. where I try to see what happens in that specific period outside of Europe and the U.S., so China, Japan, India, Africa, South America. So uh, those cultures, this is really just Western uh, Yes, this, Western uh, the, most of the books are Western focused European. on the West, mm-hmm. uh, at least until the Renaissance, and then it become, the world become more and more globalized. So right. it's, it's more uh, global. But I wanted to have one specific chapter so that people interested in other cultures could have you know, a, a taste of course, it's just one chapter, but the bibliography helps if you're curious and you can look up, you know, the text and it can be a start. Right. All right. So time for truth. Mm-hmm. Which period appeals to you the most? What's your favorite? Do you have a specialty in, in your studies? I've been working quite a bit on the period of colonization from the 17th century to the 18th century, 19th century. I, I particularly like that period because, as I mentioned, is the m- moment where the world become globalized and also food become mm-hmm. globalized. I mean, now we talk a lot about globalization of food. Of course, we have a special kind of globalization, but already back, you know, four years ago, 
food was traveling, and it was traveling for political reasons, for economic reasons, and empires were built on certain products. Just think tea or chocolate or coffee. So I particularly like that period because I see as a turning point where our world, the world we're familiar with, really starts in terms of food globalization. Oh, that's interesting. That's NC. It's a, that, I wouldn't have guessed that particularly, but it makes a lot of sense. And of course, like I'm that. very much interested in contemporary issues because you know I have a background in political science and uh, international affairs. So I, I really also look at, at those issues. And actually, I'm doing research on geographical indications, mm-hmm. the intellectual property connected with food. Well, and you've done you've a lot of your background, your your studies, and your degrees actually were in Asian culture, yes. Asian studies. Yes, I lived culture. a couple of years in China and did research there. And I hope so that's study. I was going to say. So that's ripe for another <laughs> <laughs> another edition. Um, well, when you were uh, going reaching out, uh, first of all, I don't how if. How do I want to frame this? How did you decide what sections to cover, what topics to cover in each of the periods? Uh, that was based mostly on what debates are actually important now. Where are What are people looking at? And as we were mentioning, food has become very important in social and political debates. So my question is, were those debates already there at the Roman times? Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened in the Middle Ages? So it's the look to the past is definitely influenced to the conversations we're having today. Um, is the family meal really an institution, or did we create did it? Did we create it right? Like a hundred years ago, and now we pretend it's been there forever. And now we're now it's dissolving. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, anyway. it, it doesn't make much sense from the historical point of view. But these were the kind of questions that guided us in uh, identifying the main topics for the chapters in the books. Interesting, yeah. Because um, I was wondering, too, when you are the coordinator for food studies at the New School, as, yes. you, as you mentioned, and um, food studies, fa- the faculty of food studies, is growing in yes. universities throughout our country, and I assume in, in other countries as well. Because yes. um, you mentioned some of your work in Rome that you do, it, or no, in Bologna, that you're doing at the university. Yes, in Bologna, they actually have an MBA in food and wine, Wow, which is a completely different approach to food studies, as you can imagine. But it's interesting that it exists. <clears throat> Someone looks up food studies, new yes. school, but they say, well, what am I going to find in food studies? What am I going to, what am I going to learn? What am I looking at? I'm thinking uh, at our program as focused on three main topics. One is about culture and communication. Lots of people are interested in reading about food, writing about food, producing media about food. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having radio shows. For instance. (laughs) So for that, it's important to have a good grasp on cultural issues, history. So we have history... uh, Classes taught by Andy Smith, uh, who's pretty well-known food historian here in New York City. And here at the network. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and we have specific uh, classes on media. For instance, next semester, I'm going to teach a whole class on food and film, which is actually my next project. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, so that's one area. The other area is about environment and health. We have a very a lively environmental studies program. And so I really want 
uh, to offer students the possibility also to look into that. And the third area is about policy and politics. Uh, as we've been discussing, food is at the forefront of right. those discussions. Right. So, and policy, I mean, on exactly. the Internet especially, the, the, the policy issues are We want to rampant. give students, you know, the instruments to understand what's going on with the farm bill, what goes on with uh, school food, uh, what goes on with international trading food. Mm-hmm. So students can choose. Uh, now we have a pretty healthy set of classes, both on-site and online, which is also interesting because students sometimes can take it when they're not in New York or when they're somewhere else. So they can do an online Uh, Some of the classes, yes, are online. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, I think it's wonderful that that people are realizing that they they do have a say and they can take charge. And it used to be we didn't think too much unless you grew your own food in your <laughs> garden you know you went whatever was available you bought it and over the years now we you know we realize yes. we do have a say in where our food comes from and for that reason besides the classes we organize a whole series of events during the year that are open to the public wonderful so, lectures yes so there is a connection between what we do within the university and the actual debates in the civil society in mm-hmm. the community well tell us you said you have an interesting talk coming up on march 9th Yes, on March 9th, we have, we're celebrating the 20 years of the release of the movie uh, Daughters of the Dust, uh, which is about this uh, Gala women uh, in the island of the coast of Georgia. Uh, it's very important. It's a very important movie from the cultural point of view, but I'm involved because uh, food plays a very important uh, role in, in, in the story. So mm-hmm. I'll be part of the panel. And then on March 21st, we'll have actually an event on food history. Why should we care? Why are we looking at history? And so we'll use it also as the U.S. launch for the six volumes. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and if great. you're interested, you can go on the Internet and just look New School Food Studies. You have all the list of the upcoming events. Mm-hmm. That's great. And um, any of these, uh, are they videotaped for? All the events are videotaped, actually. So you can actually, at post-event, yes. you can see them online yes. and, and see the lectures. Uh, we have a YouTube channel for the New School. But actually, we're also starting a new website called The Inquisitive Eater, uh, that it's a collaboration of food studies and creative writing. So it's a place where uh, writers, artists, photographers, designers, policymakers can participate uh, in conversations about food. And we have a section that is going to be a video archive uh, with all the events taped uh, at the new school. Now you're doing a, you're doing many of us a great service as well, <laughs> even though we're not students there. But you know we you're always we're always learning, yes. and it's you know for a while there it was difficult to find sources and and get this discussion going with other scholars, other people who you know are are studying food issues. And now this is it's wonder it's a wonderful research. That's course. one of our objectives to keep the conversation going within the university, but also with the outside world, with the community, with actually what's happening in civil society. So uh, we think that posting this material online and making it available is a is an important step in that direction. Mm, yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about this and the international aspect of it when we come back after a short break.
Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market. Whether you are cooking for one or for a crowd, Fairway Market literally has everything you need for a fantastic meal. But if you don't feel like cooking, no worries, they cater. Check out fairwaymarket.com for more information and be sure to check the new blog on our plate for weekly specials, health tips, and recipes. And I'm talking with Fabio Parasecoli, uh, Associate Professor and Coordinator of Food Studies at the New School here in New York City. And uh, Fabio and his co-editor, Peter Scoliers, have just released a new and quite impressive uh, series of books called A Cultural History of Food. Now, these are sold all as one group. Yes. You cannot buy, unfortunately, cannot buy them separately. Not yet. Not yet, okay. Um, but it is a six-volume set and very impressive, spanning a lot of years. And we were talking, before the break, we were talking about um, uh, how international this discussion of food and food and culture and society has become. I mean, it always has been, but how it has been brought more to, to the forefront. And certainly um, the Association for the study of food and society has grown to be a quite an international group, right? It's become quite big. Uh, this year we're going to have our yearly conference here in New York City uh, at the new school at N- and NYU. And we're that's working in June? Together. It's in June from the 20th to the 24th. And we got more than 600 submissions for the conference from all over the world, literally. You're going to have to extend it for more than four days. We are trying to squeeze as much people as we can. So we might have eight to ten concurrent sessions for five times a day. Oh, that always bugs me because then you can't you don't you want to clone yourself and be at you know (laughs) five sessions at the same time right but we have scholars from australia we have a whole group of uh, food studies doctoral students from denmark uh we have students uh, and scholars from uh colombia from canada i think it's going to be a very exciting conference yeah that is big that is it's it's a big one uh we didn't expect so many submissions but it, it's really a sign of the fact that food studies is becoming, you know, an, a relevant topic and a relevant discipline also in academia. The conference, of course, is also open to people that are uh, practitioners, professionals, activists. We want to keep the conversation going. Right. So we got lots of submissions from uh, experts that do not work in universities, and we're very happy. About that. Oh, I can't wait to see the. Yeah, uh, and the conference will be open to anybody. We have also daily passes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you cannot stay for the four days, we're trying to be flexible so people from New York can maybe go and listen to some uh, papers or presentations they're interested in. Mm -hmm. Okay, listeners, you heard it, June (laughs) twentieth to the twenty fourth. So if they go on the um, the ASFS site, they can get the information about the conference. Exactly. Okay. now, one thing I, I didn't really talk about, and I'm, I'm going to talk about another one of your projects, but one is that you are, 
You do go back to Italy, yes. uh, in case you didn't notice from his accent and his name. <laughs> Fabio is Italian. Um, but you do go back to Rome quite often, and you are an advisor to a project called Gusto Lab. Tell us about Gusto Lab. Yes, that's a project that we launched three years ago. And basically, the idea was to provide a space and classes for students coming from all over the world uh, on food and culture. And we thought that Rome was a great place for that. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> so we started creating uh, semester abroad uh, programs for, for instance, University uh, um, of uh, Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. We have a program with uh, UMass at Amherst. Um, but also other programs with France, with Japan. We realized that food and culture could be a very interesting topic for students, uh, and it's a good entryway to look at other social and cultural issues. Students love it. Um, and also we help them, you know, realize about themselves, their choices, uh, how they eat, what they eat, uh, how what they do is part of their identity, or maybe not. And what does it mean, you know, that one day I'm eating a hamburger and the other day maybe I want to go to an upscale restaurant? So it's also to help them become more reflexive about what they do. Um, the The results have been quite interesting, and uh, students are very happy of the experience. <laughs> and, you know, you're in Italy, so... <laughs> well, and speaking of Italy, I want to talk a little bit more about... Um, the book that you are working on yes. right now, The History of Food in Italy. Once again, this is not a short topic. This, this is <laughs> not a short topic, and actually it's quite daunting. Uh, but my idea is to give an, uh, an overview on the history of food in Italy from the beginnings, even before the Greeks and the Etruscans, all the way to... Uh, the present time. Of course, the... the you know, I'm thinking, my, my, my eyes just rolled into my eyes. I say, okay, before the Etruscans. Okay, so we're talking Greeks. about, <laughs> I don't know, 1200 uh, before Christ. So it goes back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my, my approach is to look at food in Italy as a development connected with local identities, place, and power. So there will be also chapters that focus more on contemporary issues uh, that can go from, you know, the, the beginning of the European uh, Union and the impact it has had on Italian foodways, mm -hmm. uh, immigration, uh, problems of production, food safety, food scares, uh, the Mediterranean diet, the, the way Italians now perceive themselves and their traditions. So... Uh, there, is, there is a historical part, but then there are three chapters that are really looking at contemporary issues. Interesting. Uh, it's, I, I can't think of a better society and country to study because of the – I mean, and I, I don't mean it facetiously, no, no. <laughs> because, because Italian food is my favorite, but um, because of the history. Yes. And, and as you say, the influences. And know, this semester I'm teaching a class on food culture in Italy. And I can see this. It's a good way f to help students think about what the connection between food and a country and traditions and a specific landscape are. Uh, students are apparently loving it. Oh, that's terrific. Well, congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. Uh, back to, I want to go back to you, the, the new series of books that have, have just been released, um, yes. The Cultural History of Food. 
I keep repeating that title because I someone Very once good. said you often refer to a lot of source material in, in your shows and and what was it you said and I can never remember <laughs> half the time what sources I you know I, I might mention but to those listeners who wondered who and who asked me about it I I promise I will get a list one of these days posted on the the, <laughs> the radio the page of my radio show of sources and source material that um, that we do refer to and use uh, here on the show. But in writing, back to this book, in writing this book, Cultural History of Food, <laughs> ha, um, so many authors were involved, as we yes. said earlier, and and um, recognizable names, you know, uh, that how did you go about choosing? Did you ask for open submissions, uh, once again, like for the ASFS uh, No, for this one, we really wanted to have the experts in specific fields. So you reached out sp- yes. to specific Specific people. people because we thought they were the right people to write those chapters. And actually, we managed to involve in the project, you know, people like Marion Nessel, uh, who's one of the most prominent nutritionists here in the U.S. right now, uh, specialists like Ken Albala, uh, who works a lot on Renaissance, um, a medieval historian at Yale, Paul Friedman, uh, Amy Trubeck, who's done fantastic work on the history of French food and the history of kitchens mm-hmm. and the profession of chefs. So we really wanted to have the, the most experts for each topic. And actually, we got a great response. So that was the, the fun part of the project, mm-hmm. working with all these people and see what they were writing. And for me, it's been extremely enriching and exciting. Well, I mean, imagine from their end too. I mean, that, oh, that's that to be asked, you know, to write for such an, an impressive volume of work. I think that that you know must make them feel good, <laughs> like they are indeed the experts, you know, and, that, and they are. And they are. <laughs> yeah. And if you search through these shows, you may find several of those names and interviews we had with I'm them. I'm sure. And then <laughs> uh, that makes me feel very good too. That, uh, I chose the right people, and I definitely chose the right person today to talk about food and culture, Fabio Parasecoli. It's been a pleasure, and I, I cannot wait to get my hands on these books. When do they release in uh, the U.S.? Uh, at the end of the month of February. End of February. Yes. Okay. You I think can you can pre-order on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah. yes. And uh, down the line, uh, they will be also published uh, in uh, paperback. But right now, it's the launch, and only the hardcover is available. Uh-huh. Well, it, we look forward to it. Many of us do, I know. And uh, it again, as I say, it's been a pleasure. And mark down those dates, folks. We can learn a lot more about food and culture and how it affects our lives. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Again, I've been your host, Linda Palaccio, and this has been A Taste of the Past. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.